Welcome to the sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church in downtown Bentonville. If you have questions related to what you hear today, or just want to find out more about the ministries at First United Methodist Church, please visit us online at fumcbentonville.org, or check us out on Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok. So we are in this series in which we are spending the entire month of June in Pentecost and hearing other perspectives, hearing other ways of being and doing and knowing about the world. And so today we are going to hear from a Native American perspective. We have a guest preacher I'll introduce in just a moment here, but this is coming from the First Nations version of the New Testament. So that's what I will be reading Acts 2 from today. So hear now the word of the Lord. The time for the full meaning of the ancient festival had now arrived. They had all gathered together in one place when suddenly the sound of a great windstorm came from the spirit world above and could be heard throughout the house where they were sitting. They saw flames of fire coming down from above, separating and resting on each of their heads. The Holy Spirit had come down upon them and began to fill them with his life and power. New languages began to flow out from their mouths, languages they had never learned, given from the Holy Spirit. The sacred village of peace was filled with devoted members of the tribes of wrestles with Creator, who had come for the festival from every nation under the sun. A crowd began to gather when they heard the loud noise. In wonder and amazement, the crowd began to ask, how is it that these people from circle of nations are speaking in our many languages? For we all can understand them in the languages of the place we have come from. There are people here for the festival from nations and places close by and far away who are members of the tribes of wrestles with Creator and those from outside nations who have been taken into the tribes. They come from land of victory, land in the middle, and land of the ancient ones. Many come from land between rivers, land of promise, land of handsome horses, land of black waters, and land of the rising sun. Some come from dry wood and many tribes and the territory of land of tears near the village of Strongwall. There are travelers from village of iron, both tribal members and outsiders who have become tribal members, along with those who come from flesh eater island and land of wanderers. We can hear them in the languages of these nations telling about the great and powerful things done by the great spirit. Many were amazed and confused and began to ask each other, what can this mean? But others in the crowd just laughed and said, they are drunk on new wine. Stands on the rock, along with the other 11 message bearers, stood up to the crowd and with a loud voice said, tribal members from far away and all who live in village of peace, listen closely to me, I will tell you what this means. No one among us is drunk on wine, for it is still the middle of the morning. This is not what you think it is. This is what the prophet, creator is the great spirit, spoke of long ago when he said, In the last days, says creator, I will rain down my spirit upon all human beings from every nation. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Young warriors will see visions and elders will have dreams. When that time comes, my spirit will rain down on all who serve me, both men and women, and they will boldly speak my words. There will be powerful signs and omens in the spirit world above and on the earth below, blood and fire with clouds of smoke. The sun will grow dark and the moon will be red like blood as the great and dreadful day of creator shines like the sun. Then the ones who cry out to the great spirit will be made whole and set free. This is the word of God for the people of God. 
Thanks be to God. We are blessed today to have Reverend Dr. David Wilson with us, who uh, is the assistant to the bishop in the Oklahoma Indian Mission Conference, Missionary Conference. Um, and he is going to be bringing us a word uh, and a new perspective on, on the Pentecost. So, and I just also want to just welcome him as my friend. We have been te- co-teachers he's taught and I have taught um, for a course of study down in Dallas at Southern Methodist University Southern Methodist University for several summers now, and it has been a joy to get to be his colleague and to call him friend. So, David, thank you so much. Thank you, Michelle. I, I uh, appreciate the invitation to be here in Bentonville. I had a wonderful uh, morning and uh, so appreciate the uh, creativity of the sermon series that Michelle is doing. I shared earlier one of my uh, we've been teaching online for the last three years, but we're, when we're in person, uh, we all uh, lean upon Michelle for her creativity and teaching and her methods, and so I get to call on her and pay attention to what she's doing and appreciate that very, very much. And, of course, uh, shout out to the University of Arkansas for your baseball team that's uh, making it along. With that. Uh, I'll be home in time this evening to watch University of Oklahoma, who won our first game. Uh, was doing well, and they, they, they tried to make it close. And so looking forward to watching the uh, baseball uh, series this time around. Yeah. This past weekend, um, uh, matter of fact, finishing up this same time, delegates and pastors from about 81 Indian Methodist churches across Oklahoma and Kansas and Texas gathered in southwest Oklahoma. I was telling Michelle last night, we still meet outdoors in open tabernacle. And it's about the hottest weekend of the around. <laughs> Starts off about 90. By the time Sunday gets there, it's 100 degrees. And my former bishop and I used to have a contest to see who could get out of the first and get to our air-conditioned cars after that. Gathered there for, for our 180th session of the Indian Methodist Conference, established by the Methodists back upon uh, uh, when the church was evangelizing among our people in the 1820s to the 30s in the southeastern part of this country. One of the highlights for this gathering is our tribal singing. Uh, there were at least nine tribes present. They had singers that could lead songs in their own language, ranging anywhere from uh, Choctaw and Cherokee, Uchi and Kiowa. Hundreds of people there, but we've been around each other for so long, we know each other's songs. We can sing them without words. We can uh, understand the meaning because we have just understood that for that long. These are beautiful hymns. Many of these uh, hymns were created when our tra- ancestors were removed uh, on the trails of tears, uh, whether it's Cherokees and Choctaw. Choctaw Nation is, is my tribe. The Methodist conferences in the Southeast evangelized among our folk, and many of our relatives became Christians, became Methodists. And shortly after we became Methodists, the government removed us to what is now Oklahoma along the trails of tears. And it was along those trails of tears from Alabama and Georgia Mississippi, that these tribal hymns were created. So along, along that journey, our people have always been a people of oral culture, but the soldiers and others would write in the diaries stories of our tribal people singing, creating these songs along the trails, on the boats, walking. Even in the face of death, not only if they would survive what would happen at the end of that trail, but they created these beautiful hymns that we still sing today at the conferences and in our local churches. So when I received this passage, this invitation from Michelle to be a part of this event on the theme of Pentecost, I immediately thought about what happens at home and at our conference. 
Uh, the author of this beautiful text recounts the day of Pentecost when people from all over were speaking different languages, and yet they could understand each other. So I could get that. This First Nations um, indigenous translation in the New Testament is a text that uses cultural and linguistic thought patterns from several tribal areas. It's impossible to represent all as there are 562 tribes, nations, and villages in this country today. And the beautiful part of this text, it tells the story of a creator using language that many of us can understand and relate to. So there are two observations I wanted to share with you today based upon uh, the text and the theme for your series. Uh, this is the first time I preached from this text, and I enjoyed uh, the challenges and, and reading it and, and being a part of that. And again, thank you to Reverend Morris for creating this wonderful uh, series. One passage that read, They had all gathered together in one place when suddenly the sound of a great windstorm came from the spirit world above, and it could be heard throughout the house where they were sitting. They saw flames of fire coming down from above, separating and resting on each of their heads. The Holy Spirit had come down upon them and began to fill them with life and power. New languages began to flow out from their mouths, languages they'd never learned, given from the Holy Spirit. The author of this text writes that when wrestles with Creator celebrated another great feast called the Festival of the Weeks or Pentecost, this harvest festival, when the people would bring the first fruits of the harvest to Creator's Lodge in the sacred village of peace and give thanks for the provision. He writes that the Creator was about to send the Holy Spirit promised by Creator sets free to begin the time of great harvest and to gather people from all nations who would represent the Great Spirit. The theme of feast is not uncommon today for many tribes in Oklahoma and other states. Historically, the tribes in the southeastern United States celebrate a feast of Thanksgiving. We still do that today. If you traveled about 45 minutes west of Fort Smith, Cherokee communities that still celebrate this ceremony today in the land. This four-day event was a time to offer thanks to Creator God for the blessing of food, but also seeking a time of forgiveness among each other from God, from Creator. The tribal people would eat a feast before the ceremony began so they could sustain themselves for the four-day fast. So for four days, they fasted and they prayed. And those participating in the ceremony would refrain from eating a new crop before the fasting was over. And they purified themselves with a bitter plant that they believed would bring happiness and well-being for the tribe. The chief priest or the holy man would ask all the houses to clean out their old fires and prepare for a new one. He would carefully and ritually create a new fire and after blessing it, gave instruction to the people. He would invite the women of the houses to come and get this new fire and begin new fires in their own homes, which symbolized the great fire and creator God. And after the ceremony, the women would cook great feast in honor of the new fire for all the people. As I read this contemporary text, I could not help but to think about the similarities of this day of Pentecost when the fires represented set upon the heads of the people. The celebration preparation for a new year by tribes today in Oklahoma and in other places. And while the presence of the Holy Spirit is paramount to their Christian story, this theme of a harvest offering thanks to Creator God and a gathering of all people representing the Great Spirit is common to all people. And I love the passage, to gather the people from all nations who would represent 
the Great Spirit. And what a great and needed passage for today, the reminder that all of us represent the Great Spirit. We all represent the Great Spirit, this creator God who created all of us, so unique and so beautiful. Think about the thousands of languages around the world. We are indeed a beautiful sight, all created in God's image to represent the Great Spirit. Those that gathered for the first Pentecost um, represented many tribes around the world. The reading described them as the people from the land of handsome horses, the land of the rising sun, the land of wanderers, and more. And, and I thought about that, they, that all of these people brought a bit, about, a bit of who they were, created by in the image of God, with their own cultures, their own languages, and more. And the Holy Spirit descended upon everybody to make that day so beautiful. One of the many mistakes that the early church and the government made to indigenous peoples in this country and around the world was to not honor that beauty and and uniqueness. Rather than embracing who we were in our lives, they sought to make everyone like them. When the governments and the people saw the great resources the tribes had in the southeast, they wanted it for themselves. The turning point was the discovery of gold in Georgia, and it was all downhill from there for the tribes. Native peoples, part of, part of one of our great values is understanding of looking out for each other. We never understood what it meant to look out for number one. Dominant society says, look out for yourselves, but Native people understand that whatever we have, we share with other people and community. There are no fences or claims of this is mine and this is yours, but rather we share with everyone who had a need, Native and non-Native people. The early government and the church met to decide uh, what and how they could get their hands on the land and what they would do with the quote-unquote Indian problem, which meant how do we get our hands on what they have? And so they came up with this, this mantra for our people. We become civilized in our habits, we become Christian, and they must speak English. And so therefore the early boarding schools were created to take these beautiful beautiful languages from our ancestors, and in many cases it worked. Native Native people were, children were forcibly taken from their homes and families, sent miles and miles away from the home uh, to have their cultures erased and done away with. The residential boarding schools in Canada did not end until the mid-1990s. Some of you may have read the accounts of uh, horrific stories of what happened to these children. Just recently, mass burials were discovered on the grounds of the former schools in Canada. Leaders there say they found more than 600 unmarked graves on the side of these former residential schools of indigenous children. A discovery that later, before, had found 215 bodies in another uh, unmarked grave. Deb Holland, the Secretary of Interior, who's a member of Laguna Pueblo tribe, called for a report which they just finished about two months ago, three months ago. So the findings say that between 1819 and 1969, the federal government operated or supported 408 boarding schools in 37 states and former territories, including Alaska and Hawaii. And so far, investigators have discovered marked and unmarked graves at, graves at about 53 schools in this country have counted about 500 student deaths that were unaccounted for. And the department anticipates that number could go 
from thousands to tens of thousands of native children who died, buried, and marked at the boarding schools. In addition to dealing with this historical trauma, what happened to these beautiful children, today the nations are scrambling to save their languages. For many tribal languages, they're so important because they're often not words to describe another word. Rather, we use descriptions. It was like this, it was like that. So, for instance, within the Choctaw Nation, my own tribe, when we say Merry Christmas, it is translated, which really means Happy Big Holy Day. That's all we know about what that, what that means for our people after that. So the focus on language for that day of Pentecost is more, more than just about those people who are present. It tells of the importance of language and how we use it to communicate, how we use language to describe God's created order, to communicate with others about life, about the presence of Creator God. It reminds me there's no one way, no group has an end on that. There are many ways, and all of these ways are good to describe that. Author Toni Morrison wrote, We die... And that may be the meaning of life, but we do language, he writes. That may be the measure of our lives. The second passage that caught my attention for today is this, the reading. We can hear them in the language of these nations talking about the great and powerful things done by the Great Spirit. Many were amazed and confused and began to ask, what, what can this mean? This is not what you think it is. This is what the prophet creator is. The great spirit spoke long ago when he said, In the last days I will rain down my spirit upon all human beings from every nation. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Young warriors will see visions. Elders will have dreams. When that time comes, my spirit will rain down on all who serve me, both men and women. There will be powerful signs and omens in the spirit world and on the earth below. There are many sacred sites around this country where indigenous people still go to today for ceremonies, to pray, and uh, to seek God's vision upon our lives. One of those sites is the Bear Butte Mountain in South Dakota. We visited about 15 years ago uh, with a Lakota friend of mine. This mountain was a place where leaders like Crazy Horse, Sitting Bull would go for days. They would go to pray, they would go to seek God's vision about what to do for their people and God's guidance. Many Native people still travel there today to pray and to do the very same thing, to seek God's vision. Every time I get to the area, but every two years, I go back to that mountain. Among northern, northern tribes, they use prayer cloths, which are cloths of all sizes, of red, yellow, white, and black. They represent various parts of our lives, various seasons. So one takes those and we pray over those. Prayers for all sorts of reasons. So I take the cloths long enough to tie to a tree or to a bush on that mountain, stop for reflection and prayers and tie them to the tree. One can spend hours there if we think about the prayers in our lives. So when I go and I look around the mountain at the beautiful ties that are everywhere, so there are all kinds of prayer cloths there. Some are short, some are long. Some are as big as a sheet. Some have been there for many years, you can tell. They're faded, they're torn, and they're tattered. They're never taken down. They're left to disintegrate and to Mother Earth. And as I looked at those prayer cloths, I often wonder about the people who placed those prayers. How long had it been there? What, what was their prayer request? Did those persons have visions and dreams like others? Remind that Creator God continues to rain down 
those visions and dreams for all people. Even today, I believe Creator God continues to rain down dreams and visions for all of us gathered here today. Reverend Larry Robinson, a member of the Osage Nations, one of my favorite uh, pastors in our conference. I hear from him about every week, uh, every Sunday. He'll text me about uh, something good that's happened in his church, big or small, or in his community. He's one of the very few who do that. I share as assistant to the bishop most of the texts or calls I get are not that pleasant, as Larry's would be. So I really enjoy hearing his, his stories. Larry attended the church he is now uh, serving for about five years. He started out by mowing the grass. There is a need, so he went to mow the grass week after week. He talked about riding that, that mower on the lawn, taking care of it, and he talked about the many conversations he would have with God and how God was moving him to take this next step for ministry. He said I, he knew that God was calling him, and at first he resisted, but then the visions and dreams kept coming to him, and he received great visions for this church that was struggling in a very poor neighborhood in North Tulsa. It is in a food desert, great needs, great poverty. And he talks to me about the vision that God gave him to come and be the pastor. And so he did that. So now he shares stories as a local pastor about the women and men who come to sobriety groups at his church. He'll send me photos of the many cars in the parking lot saying, look what's going on at my church. He talks about the volunteer teams that come each summer. The food bank of a great need. Increased attendance. Seven new members last year at baptisms. His church received the One Matters Award, this uh, conference year from Discipleship Ministries. Uh, this award given to a local church that has revived, has professions of faith, and doing great things. And so I asked Larry, I said, Larry, I said, well, present this award, so can you share, just pick out one of your stories. He has so many, so I wanted him to pick it out. So he shared the story of a volunteer team that came to work at his church out of Dallas, Flower Mound, Texas. Larry's life is so infectious, he... he he reaches persons of all places and persuasions of all ages. So after the volunteer team last, came last summer, one of the young people sent him this note to Larry and said, Larry, Pastor Larry, he said, I want to send you a personal thanks for the way you have changed my life and the lives of our youth group. As someone who's looking at a future in ministry, you stand as an example of the type of pastor I hope to be with God's guidance. For your passion for Christ is uh, contagious. And your honest and caring heart has brought inspiration and hope. I'm reminded Larry's listing of the movement of the Spirit to pay attention to what God is saying to him about his life has caused him to change lives, not just there at Tulsa Indian, but all over the country. So my sisters and brothers, I think about this day, reminded that God calls us all as we celebrate and give thanks for everything God has done for us, what God will continue to do for us all that God has provided, to be open to the visions and dreams that God places on our journeys. May we take our visions and dreams, which are sometimes like those prayer cloths, tattered, sometimes faded by our own doing, and place them before Creator God. And may we always be open to receive the gift that God gives us, to know that we are called to, to the entire world, that we do this together as all created in the image of God. Thanks for listening to the sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church in downtown Bentonville. If you would like to let us know you were here, follow the link below to connect. To participate in worship through giving, you can give online 
at fumcbentonville.org or on Venmo at fumcbentonville. FUMC Bentonville welcomes all. Because we believe the communion table is God's table, we invite everyone into our church family. We welcome and celebrate every race, gender, gender identity, sexual orientation, marital status, age, physical and mental ability, national origin, economic station, and political ideology. We come together in action and outreach, aspiring to follow Jesus' example of radical hospitality, love, and grace as a transformative movement in our community. Please join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m., both in person and on Facebook Live. All are welcome, and we'd love to have you with us. Grace and peace.